All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. If nobody else tells you today you're beautiful, you're lovable, you're talented, you possess everything you need in life to get things done. Glad you're my friend. Glad you're along for the ride. A lot to talk about, for sure. We're going to preview the Arkansas Razorbacks today. A lot of discussion about some things uh, happening in Fayetteville with K.J. Jefferson, some other injuries. And so, uh, Razorbacks may not, may not be 100% when they show up. We expected that, though. We knew that Texas A&M, we expected a physical game. Now, State punched them in the mouth, and they weren't quite so physical. But the Arkansas A&M game was very physical. And then Arkansas played a very physical game against the University of Alabama, and they're kind of showing a little wear and tear from it. So as a result, we're going to kind of get a beat-up Arkansas team. Not necessarily a hot take. I think most people kind of foresaw that happening. So Mississippi State uh, in pretty good health. We've had a few guys a little bit dinged up too, but it's that time of year, right? I mean, at this point in the season, 
Uh, nobody's perfect, but um, Bulldogs kind of kind of working through here. Uh, again, thanks for everybody that helped support Rock Vegas 22. 22. We're already in the planning stages for Rock Vegas 23. I'm not going to have an update every show. Okay, I'm going to tell you that. But uh, already because of the success and the way that we treated Lillian X, we've already had some people reach out that are interested in working with us in the future. And so going to put together a great show. Probably going to go with a little more modern rock acts this time. And that's not a shot at anybody, but we're going to have a bigger venue. We're going to need a bigger crowd. And so we're going to need a bigger bill. So we're going to have a show. We're going to do it here in Starkville again. And I've had a lot of people reach out because of the efforts that I put forth in promoting this show to ask me to promote some shows for them. Probably do some of that stuff too. But the reality of it is, is that it was successful and uh, we are continuing to sell uh, the Rock Vegas shirts while supplies last. And if you want to get a Rock Vegas shirt, the, uh, the shirts that have been purchased so far online uh, will, will go out on Thursday. I'm paying the shipping myself because I feel like it's what I need to do for the initiative. And so if you want a Rock Vegas shirt and you didn't get one, uh, you buy, you go make at least a $30 donation to the initiative. You screenshot that. You send it to me along with your address and size, and I'll get it out to you. But be sure I have the size. You should want to give the, the, the initiative anyway. But let's get together before you do that to ensure I have your size because I don't want you to go make the contribution and then I not be able to give you a shirt, right? Does that make sense? So I've got, I don't know, maybe a dozen or so that are going to go out tomorrow, and uh, I'll keep pushing those until we get them done. So a lot of people want the shirts to kind of support the initiative that couldn't make the show. Now, next year's show, not ready to make any announcements yet. We're going to have some planning meetings, going to pick out a date, going to be late September, early October. We want to avoid the rainy season whenever we can, but also to have some cooler temperatures. And that might be a bit of a hint for you. Uh, but anyway, we're going to have a bigger show next year. And uh, I'm excited about it. It's what we can do uh, for the initiative. You know, my hope is, is that at some point, the NCAA will say, you know what, Here, here's how we fix the NIL thing. Here's how we fix it. Let's, uh, let's just go ahead and allow the schools to pay players. Right? Boom, boom. The money's there in some respects. And then you could put all this together and uh, use some of that TV money. But uh, there will be some changes. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But uh, until that time happens, we're going to put together some rock shows and raise some money. And uh, going to do... Um, Going to do probably a battle of bands uh, down at Hobie's on, in February. That's the kind of plan. I'm still working through that. But we'll, we're going to do a show, be a for-profit show, to kind of bring some business to Hobie, but also just kind of galvanizing the rock scene in Mississippi. I would like Mississippi bands. So if you, if you know of somebody that is an up-and-coming Mississippi band, I will take some maybe from border states if they have the goods. They'd like to come play, and we're going to have some people there to watch them play. And I don't just mean fans. We're going to have some people that uh, in the music industry, they're there. Bit of a showcase, if you will. So we're going to work on that. I was serious when I said we're going to make Mississippi rock again. We are. We did Friday night. And I appreciate everybody that came out. But uh, we're, I'm just kind of getting my toe back in the water. Now, uh, we'll, uh, I'm going to head over to Huntsville tomorrow to see John Karabi play. You say, who will see who's John Karabi? Well, John Karabi was the uh, head singer of the band The Scream. I love that debut album. They only did the one album, I guess. I love it. Absolutely love it. I was on my way to New Orleans to go see another band play years ago. And I heard the song 
Man in the Moon from The Scream on WRNO, The Rock of New Orleans. We swung into Tower Records, and I went and bought that CD right then and there. I still have it. I'm going to bring it tomorrow to see John. Last time I saw John Karabi play, he was a rhythm guitar player in Rat. And so John, of course, eventually became the singer of Motley Crue. And you know what a big Crue fan I am, right? So John and I have mutual friends. I'm going to go over there and meet him tomorrow and enjoy his set. And I'll get back. I'll record your Friday show Thursday because I'm going to be on the road Friday too, uh, going back down to New Orleans to see Lillian play and then back to Starkville to cover the Arkansas game. So a lot of windshield time for your good friend and host. But again, thank you so much. From the bottom of my heart, whether you bought tickets and donated them, whether you bought tickets and came to the show, whether you sponsored the show, whether you just sent me a word of encouragement, and I'll tell you what, Saturday morning was one of the funnest days I've had in a long time. As great as Friday was, I had so many Bulldogs that came up to me. They saw me on campus Saturday, walked into the stadium, said, Steve, thanks for doing this. It means more to me than you can possibly understand. It really does, because I'm a bulldog, and you guys are bulldogs too. You are the people that I care about. And so I'm doing what I believe we need to do to kind of elevate awareness about the Bulldog Initiative, but also to just raise some money, give people a chance to give that maybe ordinarily can't do monthly contributions or make a donation, but let's give them something in exchange for that. And uh, you guys know my thoughts about Charlie Winfield. I mean, Charlie's just doing an outstanding job, and so – I don't want Charlie to ever feel like he's alone. I want him to know that, hey, you got a lot of Bulldog fans out here to support you. And many of them are, uh, you know, just kind of kind of learning of this. And so, again, it's been an incredible experience. But, uh, again, we're already planning 2023. You know, bands are already booking their spring dates. And so, we, you know, we're going to do something in the fall. So we got to go ahead and start making some decisions. I've, I spoke with a friend of mine in the, in the booking business today. We've got some interesting bands, some interesting options for Rock Vegas 2023. Some very interesting options. Let's just say that. And uh, probably going to go with a little more modern rock. Now looking for a nostalgia act. I've got options to do that too. I've had uh, a couple of, uh, of representatives from bands that have reached out that are you know from the late 80s, early 90s, kind of in the 80s rock vein, kind of hair bands that would love to play our show. They're out touring now. It's not like they're just sitting around, can't pay their light bill, and they're like, hey, let's go play a show. Uh, so, yeah, again, it's at, at the end of the day, it's my decision. But I, I, I like to hear from you guys, too. And, like, the people, I put a poll up on Gene's page, and we put a, uh, you know, put a Facebook thing up, and, like, people are saying, oh, let's go get Black Crows or what, you know. I don't know if we can. I know that we have some connections to those guys, but they're, they're, they're playing at a fee probably a little bit high for us. And so I'm going to be leaning on some of you to kind of help us put this thing together. We're going to need some sponsorship. We have a great time. We have a great night. And uh, but again, if you have ideas, reach out. Let me know. I'll listen. I will. At this point, I'll listen. But here's what we're not going to do. And this again, I mean this with no offense to anybody else. We're not going to do country. There's enough of that. Okay, the country scene in Mississippi is thriving. Okay, they don't need any help from me. Number two thing is, we're not going to do any jam bands. I, I'm just not. And, uh, you know, it's not just a personal preference thing. It's not. And I don't want you to feel, like, slighted. I know many of you are huge jam fans. My, my buddy B.J. Cummings is probably the biggest widespread Panic fan I know. He's seen them, like, 45, 50 times. I mean, it's ridiculous how many times he's seen them. I admire that dedication. I can't claim that I've seen a single band that many times. I've seen a bunch of them several times. I've seen Lillian a bunch. I've seen Shondan a bunch. I've seen Motley a bunch. 
but I've never seen uh, a band that many times. And so I admire that, but um, we're not going in that direction. A lot of people say, well, let's do that. And one final thing I'll say too, and, and this may hurt some people's feelings, and that's okay. Sometimes you need to hear some honesty from your good friend and host. But I have a lot of people that say, hey, Steve Hardy, get Hardy. He should do a free show for us. Guys, he already did Bulldog Bash at a reduced rate because he's a Bulldog, and he wanted to play Bulldog Bash. He did. But it's like we want somebody to come bail us out. It's like, oh, well, Hardy's a rising superstar, and he's a Bulldog. He should come do this. You know, we should do these things ourselves. We should just pay Hardy to do a show, right? Now, I'm not going to book a country show, and a lot of Hardy's new stuff is kind of on the rock side. You can hear it on Sirius XM Octane, the new single Jack out there now. But we should never just expect Hardy to come play a free show for us. I, I just I, I think that's the old Mississippi State mentality. I think the new generation Mississippi State fans say, hey, you know what, hey, yeah, let's just kind of come together and let's raise the money to go book this show rather than waiting for somebody else to do it or somebody to give us something. You know, let's modernize our approach when it comes to these things. And so I hope you'll agree with that. I mean, if Hardy calls up and says, hey, John Cohen, I'd love to do a free show at Duty Noble Field to help raise money for NIL, that'd be a wonderful thing. But we shouldn't expect that from him. Does that make sense? I think you got to respect the fact that he's an ultra-talented guy. He's a singer-songwriter of the year, man. He's a country music songwriter of the year. His career is on an incredible trajectory right now. I love Hardy. I really do. But I don't think it's fair for us to expect him to come do a free show for us unless it was his idea in the first place. Does that make sense? I hope it does. And, again, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but that's kind of how I feel about it. We, we, we can't just say, oh, well, so-and-so should do this. This stuff costs money. And it's going to take a big check for us to, to pull off a bigger show next year at Rock Vegas. But that's exactly what we're going to do. We've got a year to get ready, but we can't afford to wait. We can't you know, uh, put it off. We can't do it. We can't procrastinate. We've got to get going. And, again, we've got to strike while the iron is hot. And I've heard from everybody in, that was on the bill that told me how much they appreciated the show. Uh, so we're looking forward to next year. And I'll have more details as they develop. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I do. I absolutely love Bulldog Burger Company. And uh, happy to say now my youngest, Ian, is working at Bulldog Burger Company. How about that? I expect my kids to work. I really do. Um, excited for him because I know it's a great place to work. It is a great place to eat. It is a great company to be involved in. That's the thing I love about the Eat With Us group. There's just so much consistency there. Like, I know exactly what I'm going to get. Matter of fact, I ate at the grill with my, uh, my sister and her husband came up, and uh, my son Ani and his family were in town. We all went and ate at the grill. They all wanted to go there, and we had a great time. It was packed. A lot of Bulldogs still in town enjoying the grill. Harvey's outstanding as always. Bulldog Burger Company, though, that, that's what I'm telling you. That's, that's the one I think about. Like, sometimes when friends come to town for dinner, I'm going to Harvey's or the grill. When I got friends that come in for lunch and sometimes for dinner, we go to Bulldog Burger Company. You know, I hadn't had that good morning burger in a while, and I've kind of been craving that. Maybe you have a craving, too. It's time to go cure that. Go check out Bulldog Burger Company today. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and Lake Harbor Drive in the Roach and Flowood area. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They will make you better looking. It is scientifically proven. And have that chocolate shake to go. I think next time I go, I'm going to get that shippy bread pudding, though. I am a bread pudding connoisseur, and I like that. It's not a true bread pudding, but, man, it's outstanding. 
Be sure you go check it out. Bulldog Burger Company. They'll make you happy, man. They'll make you smile. They'll give you a full belly at an affordable price. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people to go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's look at the Arkansas Razorbacks. Now, there's been a lot of talk about what's going on with K.J. Jefferson. K.J. Jefferson suffered a head injury in the game against Alabama. Did not return. There's been all this speculation. So in Monday's press conference, Sam Pittman was asked, and he got a little snippy, which kind of surprises me. I, I really like Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman is a guy I would love to go play golf with, a guy that I would love to be able to just kind of hang out, maybe go to a show with. He could drink a beer. I'll have a Diet Coke. I'd love to be able to hang out with Sam Pittman. The guy seems like an incredible guy. You can see why he was such an amazing recruiter and still is. He's a very genuine guy, and he fits in the South. He is very homey and down home. I love that about that guy. I think he's a great fit at Arkansas, and I'll be honest with you, when they hired that guy, I thought, man, how desperate is Arkansas? What a disaster. And you look at what he's done. The guy's done well. Now, every year they get off to a good start and have a little bit of a swoon. They're in one right now. And you kind of look at what's going on with KJ, and you begin to wonder, okay, well, well hey, this could not be the year they had hoped. Now, we didn't expect them to be quite as good as, as uh, maybe this year in relation to last year because they were a veteran team last year. A lot of guys on that team, a lot of SEC snaps on their belt. And to me, it's hard not to like Arkansas. They're a lot like us. I mean, I know in baseball, you know, we're, you know, we're always like rivals. And you recently saw D1 Baseball named the top three college baseball programs in the country. Vanderbilt won, Arkansas two, Mississippi State three. I disagree with that. I think we're a better program than Arkansas because we've actually won an Apple championship. But you can't argue that Arkansas is not an amazing college baseball program. They absolutely are. But the people of Arkansas are awfully similar to us. They're kind of our kissing cousins out west. I like them. My oldest son married a Razorback. She didn't go to Arkansas, but she grew up a Razorback. They're real down-to-earth people, too. They're a lot like us. And so I think Sam Pittman is going to do a great job there. And I think um, it's one of those things, too, when you begin to think long-term, I think Sam Pittman is going to make a lot of people look silly. But let's get back to this little exchange on Monday. Somebody basically just kind of came out and asked him about KJ and concussion protocol and that kind of stuff. And – I would have handled it a lot differently. And I know this will come across as a criticism of Sam Pittman. I don't necessarily intend it to be because I do like Sam. But I think when you look at this deal, I don't think they've handled the communications piece about K.J. Jefferson well. Now, everybody saw him get injured. And then there is this – I wasn't there. I'm just kind of – I'm repeating this secondhand. There is a discussion, you know, among some of the Arkansas media that they were told – because they get to go to a little bit of practice. We don't. We did prior to the season. Um, we get to go to post-practice interviews. But they get to go watch a little bit in practice. And there's been this edict that's been declared that you can't talk about quarterbacks. You can't put out there. Now, what's interesting, I read some practice reports yesterday. K.J. Jefferson didn't take team reps with the first or second team. Now, Sam Pittman said on Wednesday – excuse me, on Monday – that Wednesday is a drop-dead day. If you hadn't practiced by Wednesday, you can't play in the game. Now, obviously, that's a team rule, not an SEC or an NCAA rule. So if they decide on game day they want to play them, there's nothing to prevent that. But you got to think, a guy that hadn't practiced all week, a guy that's a little banged up, is probably not going to be in good shape to play. But Sam said, hey, he's had some minor symptoms. And then they said, well, is he in concussion protocol? Well, I didn't, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But yet he's not taking first-team reps, not taking second-team reps. And so that's interesting. 
It's interesting. If I had to call it today, I don't think KJ plays. That's how I feel today. I may feel differently Friday. You know, they may come out post-practice today and say he practiced and looked good and showed no ill effects from Wednesday or from Saturday. But as of today, I don't expect him to play. And if he does play, I don't think he's going to be completely healthy. And after what we have seen with head injuries in college football and in pro football here as of late, you can't fault Arkansas for erring on the side of caution. I know a lot of their fans are thinking, you know what, if KJ doesn't play, we don't have a chance to win. I expected State to win the game anyway. But if KJ Jefferson doesn't play, I think State's chances of winning this game grow up dramatically, and the odds makers agree with us. And I think with this line open up with three points or whatever now, it's like eight and a half, something like that. It's exploded in the last few days because of all this discussion about K.J. Jefferson. So that's something we'll watch. And I like K.J. Jefferson. He had a chance to cover him out of North Bernola High School. He was a recruit. Talked to him a few times. Very, very good dude, man. And, and you hate to see any young person get hurt. But certainly somebody that's as good a guy as him. And, and that's the thing. He's having such a great career over there at Arkansas. He doesn't fit what we want to do. He really doesn't. So it's, it's easier to say, well, you know, he turned us down. Well, you know, we had Garrett Schrader in the class, and he wanted to have be his own guy. So congratulations to the kid, right? And I hope he makes a full recovery on Monday and has a great season. I really do. I really do. Uh, but the reality of it is is that his availability for this weekend is very much in question. And, again, Sam Pittman says today this is the drop-dead date for whatever that means. So it'll be interesting to see what the Arkansas media reports today. Interesting. But uh, Sam did go on and say, you know, that uh, they've had some other injuries too, and we're going to get into some of that, you know, the slusher kid being one, one of their better defensive backs. But this secondary is horrendous. This Arkansas secondary, one of the worst in the country. What's incredible, though, the pass rush, really good. The, the Arkansas pass rush currently leads the SEC in sacks. Were you aware of that? Yeah. Now, granted, they hadn't played, you know, maybe the best of competition at times, but they have gotten after a quarterback. They've had a couple transfers. They've come in. They're doing a good job. This Arkansas front is legit. Now, we are going to see three a lot. They're going to do a true drop eight more times than not. They're, gonna, they're basically going to run like a three-two-six, which should enable us to run the football again. That's the thing you begin to think about. You know, how do they position that? Then Do we run the football up enough that they have to kind of bring those safeties down in the box, which puts us in man coverage, which is something we ordinarily win? I read yesterday, too, they even moved a wide receiver over to cornerback because of their depth issues in the secondary. We just got to be able to protect Will. It's as simple as that. We got to be able to protect Will because of the fact this is a secondary to try for the picking. All right, let's get a little bit deeper into the Arkansas Razorbacks. The first thing we'll do is we'll look at the series. Arkansas currently leads 18-13-1. And, and there was a time there that State had gone on a pretty good run there. But the series dates back to 1916. The first meeting between the two teams took place in Memphis, Tennessee. And Mississippi State won 21-7. We didn't play again until 1939. Also in Memphis, State won that game 19-0. We didn't play again until 1992. Think about that. We played two times in our history. A school, a major school in a border state. And for some reason, you know, Broles and those guys didn't want to get together and play. So, you know, we go back to 92 when the league expanded, and they have been a regular opponent for Mississippi State ever since that time. So since joining the SEC, uh, Arkansas 16-13, or 16-11-1. So 
It all works out, I guess. But uh, the very first meeting in the SEC opponent, State wins 10-3. We tied back in 93. In 94, we win 17-7. So the very first five meetings in this series, Mississippi State's undefeated against Arkansas. Then Arkansas goes on a three-game winning streak. They win in 95, 96, and 97. And you remember the dramatic win over Arkansas in 98 that, that catapulted Mississippi State into first place in the SEC Western Division. Of course, State wins the Egg Bowl the next week and goes on to Atlanta to play for the SEC Championship. There are some teams within the SEC West that cannot claim that distinction, but we are one of them. But we have been riding that for a long time. It's time for us to get back. So let's all root for Aflac and Nick Saban to retire. After that win, we did not beat the Hogs forever and a day. They won 99, 2000, 2001, 2002. And those games were all competitive. We just couldn't do it. They blow us out in 03, which everybody did. 04, we nearly pulled off. We lose 24-21. Losing 05, 06, 07. And then Sylvester Croom on senior day in 2008, we beat the Arkansas Raiders at Razorbacks 31-28. That disrupted Arkansas's streak of success. And then the next three years, Arkansas wins again. And really, those games, you know, those are Dan Mullen games, but they just they got after us. We used to play those, the Arkansas games in Little Rock. All right, and so in 2012, we absolutely destroyed these guys, 45-14, to 14, and that began a four-year winning streak for Mississippi State. We win 45-14, and 13, we win 24-17. Remember 2014, Mississippi State's first game is the number one, first home game, I guess, is the number one, if I remember correctly. They nearly beat us. You remember they had the big, they had a 10 nothing lead, and they're shortening the game on us and running the football. Dak hits Fred Ross on a busted coverage. We end up winning that game 17-10. Will Redmond with a huge pick at the front pylon to secure the victory as Arkansas is driving down, trying to make some things happen. 2015, State wins the coldest game I think I've ever covered. The first time back in Fayetteville since 2003, it was brutal. That's the Brandon Allen, Dak Prescott game where they both ended up being co-SEC offensive players of the week. And then State wins because Beniquez Brown knives in and blocks a field goal attempt to put that thing away. Pretty incredible ball game. State wins 51-50. Now, I remember asking Dak in postgame, it would have been about a minute left. Dak, would you have gone down and scored? He looked at me and, and smiled and said, absolutely. 16, that's the year Mississippi State suffered with a season-long case of sermonitis. Arkansas does not punt in the ball game, and they win 58-42. They would stack left, and we never adjusted. At no point defensively did we adjust. It never, never, never. And they would set up that unbalanced line and run halfback toss off left tackle. We never adjusted. We never stopped it. They never punted. In fact, there's one time uh, Belima even went for two late in the ballgame. Nick Fitzgerald kind of lost in, that, in the disappointment of that loss. Nick Fitzgerald had a huge game against Arkansas. Huge. 2017, we go up there. Nick also with a couple big uh, touchdown throws late in that game. I remember that was not a very good Arkansas team, and the Arkansas homer media was woofing in the press box. You know, State – Nick Gibson has a big fumble in the end zone that allows him to kind of get in back into the ball game. It's a misty gray day like it always is in November in northwest Arkansas. And then late, Nick Fitzgerald on a double move hits Reggie Todd for the touchdown. We come back and throw the game-winning touchdown against Dedrick Thomas, to Dedrick Thomas, who made a, made a diving catch at the goal line to win the game. 
Uh, State gets a stop there. We win 28-21. Chad Morris, for some reason, I would love to know what Chad Morris ever did to Joe Moorhead. Joe didn't have a lot of big wins. You look back and say, you know what, hey, that was huge for State. But for some reason, he absolutely whipped Chad Morris's tail. 2018 State wins 52-6. And you remember, shortly after this, Chad Morris suspended some Arkansas players that during pregame were trying to get our cheerleaders' Instagram handles. Craziness. Then State goes back up there. That's a Tommy Stevens game. You know, we, Garrett Schrader was, um, was out. I still don't believe the reason that we were given. But um, Tommy Stevens starts a game, and uh, we go down there like a knife through butter and just absolutely destroyed them. K.J. Jefferson uh, came in late in the game, made some plays. I remember uh, Marcus Murphy with a big pick six in this game, kind of put these things away. I think they played three quarterbacks that day. State wins 54-24. It's our last win in the series. We should have won the last two, but we didn't. And that's the thing. We can talk about what a shoulda, coulda. They made the plays to win. We didn't. We found out against Arkansas in week two of the 2020 series season, excuse me, that K.J. Costello wasn't Superman and he couldn't read defenses. You give your man coverage, he can, he can cut you up. But Barry Odom shut us down. And we had, if you remember, we had three, three fruitless trips to the red zone in this game. And uh, we lose 21-14. Bulldog defense played pretty well. Offensively, we did not play well. And this was kind of the beginning of the end for our 2020 season because people began to mimic the drop eight. And here's the thing about that. People still run drop eight against us a lot. But the difference is our players know what it looks like. And that was the thing, too. You got to think every receiver prior to Mike Leach being here had not seen a lot of zone coverage because people were committing one and two safeties to the box, which put us in man coverage a lot. And so you didn't know how to settle in a zone. It took our staff a year or two to kind of teach these guys. I mean, you know, you, you sign with Dan Moe and you're running his zone read offense, you're not going to see a lot of zone coverage. Same thing with the RPO slash zone read, that stuff that Joe ran. People are going to commit more DBs to the box to slow down the Bulldog running game. And so it took us a year, year and a half to kind of acclimate to the drop eight. Well, now it's, you know, it's not the Rubik's Cube it once was. And, of course, last year's game, we lose 31-28. And, and really, I fought the defense for this one. Our offense kind of got off to a slow start. We get down in the ball game, We battle back. But Will Rogers leads what should have been a game-winning drive for a touchdown late. All we got to do, well, we have two minutes and 20-something seconds to go. We just got to get a stop. And we don't. We thought we had it. They flagged Martin Emerson on Traylon Burks for that hold, which uh, was, was stupid. That call was horrendous, and it cost us the ball game because that was a fourth down play. That flag's not thrown. They turn it over on downs. We run the clock out. And it's a different year for Mississippi State. It's an 8-4 and four regular season for Mississippi State, which probably puts us in a Florida bowl game. But that's your series. Let's take a look at what – Having to hire a new employee sometimes is the absolute worst, Right? We've all been there. If you've got your own small business, I mean, you're, you're trusting your livelihood. You're trusting your baby, your blood, sweat, and tears with somebody perhaps you don't know very well. That's why you got to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. How cool is that? 
There have been times in the past I've made hiring decisions when I was desperate for an employee. Been nice to have had a partner to help me screen through some of this and make sure that I get people that fit the specific skill set I'm looking for. It's so easy to go make a free ad today at LinkedIn. Maybe you should. And then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it much easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to actually meet and interview and ultimately hire. It's important to have the right team. It's why every small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster than ever before. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash boneyard. That's linkedin.com slash boneyard to post your job for free. Some terms and conditions may apply. What Arkansas has done this year. Maybe you've kept up. Maybe you haven't. They opened up the year, of course, with the win over Cincinnati, 31-24. That's a good early win. I know Cincinnati's not what they were last year, but Cincinnati, probably one of the best G5 programs in the country. Luke Fickle, obviously one of the best college football coaches in the country. But they win that game 31-24 in Fayetteville. The next week, they they blister South Carolina 44-30, and uh, that, that was a game, too, that um, – I listened to – we were on the road somewhere. I can't – maybe we were going to Baton Rouge. I can't recall. But uh, Spencer Rattler, a pretty good game at times, but late in that game, Arkansas defensively just kind of got after him. And I think he tried to do a little bit too much. And as a result, he hurt his team. But uh, this was a 21-9 ball game at the half. South Carolina cuts it to a 21-16 ball game through three quarters. And then you have this wild fourth quarter. But, again, South Carolina – you know, goes to Fayetteville and makes a game of it for three quarters. And then in the end, I think Arkansas kind of out-athleted them, winning 44-30. to 30. Arkansas with a nine-point advantage in the fourth quarter, outscoring them 23-14. to 14. And again, the game was rather interesting until the, until the fourth quarter. And um, you, you go back and look, they had the safety. like, But it is a the 35-16 game when Arkansas kind of got going. It's 21-16, the next thing you know, K.J. Jefferson scores. Extra point is good, 28-16. K.J. Jefferson hits Warren Thompson up. Extra point's good, 35-16. And then South Carolina scores. They go for two, they make it, make it a 35-24 game. So with like six minutes to go, it's an 11-point game, and Arkansas just kind of kept piling on. Running the football, eating up clock, and they put the game away. Arkansas is a team that plays well with the lead. They do because they can move the chains, run the football. Really good day, I guess you could say, for the uh, you know, for Arkansas offense. And not that we expect South Carolina to be an outstanding defense, and that's not a shot at anybody. That's just kind of the reality of life. But Arkansas piles up 457 yards of offense. Carolina, 417. And Carolina threw the football pretty much at will. 377 yards through the air. Arkansas, on the other hand, ran for 295. So a contrast in styles, to say the least. And then there was this wild game with Missouri State. We talked about that a little bit on the show when it happened. You know, the return of Bobby Petrino. Missouri State, an FCS team, leads in Fayetteville in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Missouri State gets out to a 7-0 lead, and then it is a 17-14 game at the half in favor of Missouri State and Bobby Petrino. 
the third quarter, they, they tack it on. They win the quarter seven to three. You start doing the math here and you start thinking, well, wait a minute here. You know, Arkansas is running out of time, and they were, but they owned the fourth quarter. However, a field goal from Missouri State made this a 10-point game with just under 12 minutes to go, or right at 12 minutes to go. Arkansas doesn't hesitate. K.J. hits a huge pass to Raheem Sanders for a touchdown. You know, really quick drive there. Big play. And that's what you can't do if you're a team like Missouri State. You get a two-score lead in the fourth quarter. You can't give up the quick score. They do. Well, now it's a 27-24 ball game. Missouri State, a chance to kind of put some things away here, need some clock, unable to do so. Unable to do it. And then they have to punt. Bryce Stevens returns at 82 yards for a touchdown. Now Arkansas has a lead. And from there, the Razorbacks would cruise. 21-point quarter for Arkansas. And you, you kind of see what I'm talking about here. There's a theme with this Arkansas team. And it goes back to strength and conditioning. It goes back to commitment. It goes back to toughness. They're a really good fourth-quarter team. There's no question about it. They are a really good fourth-quarter team. And we at times have shown a little bit of a lapse in the fourth quarter. Can ill afford to do that. This is a team that doesn't think they're ever out of a ball game. Uh, Texas A&M, that was a wild game, too. I expected Arkansas to win that game, and they didn't. And, of course, you know the difference in the ball game a scoop and score by A&M. You know, Arkansas had a chance to really put this thing away. They get off to a great start, 14-0 lead, and then South – excuse me, A&M comes back and scores. They miss that extra point after defensive touchdowns. It's 14-13 at the break. And then A&M scores 10 in the third quarter to really kind of put this thing out. You know, it's a two-score game going to the fourth. Arkansas wins the fourth quarter again, 7-0, but it, not, it proves not to be enough. They missed that field goal that bounced off top of the upright. And I wonder, too, if they weren't playing in an NFL stadium – with those elongated uprights, is that field goal good or not? I think it's good. You play in that game in Fayetteville, you play in that game in College Station, it's good. Because you're going to see it pass over. You're not going to see it hit the upright. And I'm sure somebody will message me and tell me I'm wrong. But you, you, I think you understand my point. If the uprights or the college length – it's probably a different conversation today. It probably is. And then uh, they, they host Alabama last week, and that's the thing that, you know, they have not played a true road game yet. Arkansas has not played a true road game yet. They're going to play a true one this Saturday. But they take on Alabama at home. They lose that game 49-26. to But uh, Arkansas really good in the middle of this game. Not so much at the ends. Alabama gets up 28 nothing in this ballgame. And you think, you know what, they're going to blow these guys out. And then Arkansas scores 23 unanswered to make a game of it, and then Arkansas loses the fourth quarter. You, you're never going to out-athlete or out-physical Alabama. Not as long as Nick Saban is there. Not as long as what they're doing is working. And they put this game away, 49-26. So, again, you look up in third quarter, and you're like, hey, Arkansas might pull this thing off. And then Nick Saban's like, nah, we got this. It's pretty crazy, too. I mean, it's like Arkansas scores late in the third quarter, and it took uh, Alabama just a couple minutes to kind of get going again, kind of making some things happen here. So that's kind of how the season's played out for those guys. But, uh, you know, Arkansas now 3-2 and two 
on the year, one and two within the league. Look at the rest of their schedule here. Next week, they go to BYU, and then they're at Auburn. So you're already kind of having this midseason swoon, and you've got a three-game road trip coming up. That's kind of the that's the burden of playing all those home games early is at some point you got to go pay the piper, and that's exactly what's happened here. So at Mississippi State, at BYU, at Auburn. And, of course, BYU, we know, we, we know, when you go up there, weird things happen. Of course, back in 2001, the one of the arguably the worst officiated game I've seen in my life at any level when BYU played Mississippi State uh, to wrap up the 2001 season. And we got our revenge next week watching Timmy Chan car BYU up and keep them out of the national championship picture. But then they go to BYU, then they go to BYU and Auburn. Then they host Liberty. No comment. They host LSU, they host Ole Miss, then they travel to Missouri. So if they can survive this three-game road trip, you look at what they've got coming up, they've got some winnable games. Of course, a lot of this is going to depend on the health of this team. K.J. Jefferson's not going to be out for long, at least you hope not, right? But when you look at the schedule, this is going to be an Arkansas team probably ends up 8-4, and somewhere like that. I think that's probably what you're looking at here. Eight and four, maybe seven and five, you know, if, if something happens. But, uh, you know, this is an Arkansas team a lot of people had high expectations for. I don't think they're as good as they were last year. You got one of the great great receivers in the country in Traylon Burks. You know, he's he's gone. And we're going to get inside the numbers on Arkansas when we get back from the top ten list and kind of look at some of these statistics and kind of look at what you should expect. But this is a team Mississippi State should beat with or without K.J. Jefferson. Without K.J. Jefferson, I think this game could get ugly because you're not going to have the ability on offense to be able to kind of shorten the game and take a lot of pressure off your secondary. You're not going to be able to allow your defense to rest. And the way that State runs things, when we run a little tempo, we run some ball control, we got you chasing us all over the field. And I think when you look at what State's doing, you know, later in ball games offensively, a lot of that is because of fatigue of the opponent. And so when you can't sustain drives and give your defense a chance to rest, well, that usually shows up in the second half. And, again, I I expect State to win the game. I expected it even with Arkansas at full strength. But after running through the gauntlet of A&M and Alabama, we're getting a very tenderized Razorback team. And now all of a sudden you find out they're arguably their best player on either side of the football is going to be unavailable. And even if he does play, probably going to be a little bit of diminished ability. But we're going to have to play uh, to the best of our ability. This is a huge game for Mississippi State, a chance to wrap up this homestand, uh, winning all three games, of course, Bowling Green, A&M, and Arkansas. But that's the thing we talk about beginning of the year. You look at these snapshots and say, well, we'll probably lose this one. You never know what shape your opponent or your team is going to be in when you finally play those games. There were a lot of people early on that said, ah, I just don't know about Arkansas. Well, now all of a sudden there's a lot of confidence. There was a lot of confidence with LSU too, right? But you begin to look at this team, and I think some of our fans are beginning to realize Mississippi State's good. All right, time for today's top ten list, brought to you by our friend Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a closer. Coffee is for closers. Blair doesn't sleep at night. He drinks so much coffee, he has to stay up, right? Probably spends a lot of time at the restroom, too. But uh, the bottom line is this, is Blair is a guy that gets it done. He's been in the industry now 21 years. 
You don't stay in any industry for 21 years by accident. You got to know what you're doing. Nobody's going to keep paying you. They're not going to keep you hanging around the office because they like you. It's not like Kramer and his in his uh, briefcase full of crackers. They're not going to bring you in just for the fun of it. You got to produce, man. That's what Blair does. He works for Fairway Mortgage. Recently voted number one in customer satisfaction and mortgage loan origination. If you're looking to refinance your home or possibly buy a home for the first time, or maybe get a second mortgage. Blair is the only answer for you. Give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, at 601-500-2344. And here's the deal. That's his personal cell number. That's the number that I call when I want to talk to him and when I want to text him. That's who I talk to. I don't have to go to the receptionist. So I'm bringing you in our little circle here, right? Our little circle of friends and uh, giving you access to one of Mississippi's top mortgage loan originators licensed to practice in many states he is a bulldog through and through has season tickets in multiple sports has a place in Starkville. you can get one too and be sure to tell him you heard about him on the boneyard and he's going to pay for your appraisal that's about a 500 value all you do is just tell him by text or by phone or whatever blair heard about you on the boneyard and he is going to pay for your appraisal we've had multiple boneyard listeners close loans with blair chandler multiple thank you for that thank you for supporting him and thank you Blair for taking care of our listeners okay I wanted you know that recently we've been doing like the rock of whatever state we're playing and we did a rock of Louisiana the rock of Texas uh the rock of Arkansas is a really thin list and so today we're going to combine a couple of rock bands I think it's really just yeah two rock bands and a bunch of country stuff there we go so we got to do there is no rock of Arkansas There is just the music of Arkansas, and it's largely country music. But here we go. Top 10, going back to, oh my gosh, I I love this guy so much. Tommy Aldridge from Jackson, Mississippi, was the drummer for the great band Black Oak, Arkansas during their heyday. At their peak, Tommy was laying down the thunder. So we're going to go Black Oak, Arkansas, Jim Dandy to the rescue. You've heard that song. Jim Dandy, of course, the lead singer of Black Oak, Arkansas. I had a thing for Cousin Ruby when I was a kid. I got in trouble for that, too. Like, I, t- I tore a picture of her out of a magazine, and I kept it, and my uncle got mad at me for not only ru- ruining his magazine, but I think he wanted to have that picture of Cousin Ruby. All right, number nine is Colin Ray. Colin Ray wrote a great song about recovery years ago, a song called Little Rock. I think I'm on a roll out in Little Rock. It's a song about recovery, and uh, I dig it, and uh, it's really close to me, not, not because it was a, a song for me, but somebody that I love very closely, very intently and deeply, um, was going through recovery, just getting sober around the time this song came out. And he shared this with me and said, you know, that's kind of been my theme song. And uh, I want to say he went to a recovery facility out in Arkansas. And so uh, he's done great, still sober living life, living a good life, you know, raising kids and grandkids and that kind of stuff and doing great. So that song has always meant something to me. That's my Colin Ray moment. I didn't know anything about Colin Ray until the uh, early 90s. And uh, my buddy shared that song with me. Yeah, I think you'll dig this. Number eight, Tracy Lawrence. I know some of you guys like that. Uh, this is not bro country. Tracy Lawrence is not. And the stars of Texas. It's one of those relationship songs. You know, there's always some uh, ballad about some beautiful girl. We love those songs. But Tracy Lawrence, Stars of Texas. Number seven, a song that everybody should know. Whether you like country or not, you've sung along to this song at Duty Noble Field. It's Justin Moore's Small Town USA. That's, that's right, Tanner Allen's walkout song. You made that song famous. And uh, 
I love the song, really. I'm not a big country guy, but I go back and listen to these songs. Like when I, you know, after a while, they kind of get stuck in your brain when you're a dude double field. And uh, it, it kind of typifies Mississippi. And I think that's one of the reasons so many of our people appreciate the song. Number six, the greatest rock band to ever come from the state of Arkansas. And I will die on this hill. It's Evanescence. We're going to go with Bring Me to Life. And who knew? And I've shared this before. Who knew? If it out there in north central Arkansas, we had this Victorian Gothic beauty in Amy Lee with her angelic voice prepared to rock the world. I love Evanescence. And I love Amy Lee. She is one of my favorite female vocalists of all time. Absolutely. I have such a thing for her. Oh, my gosh. She is so incredibly talented and beautiful. Don't get me wrong. She's, she's awfully fun to look at. Number five, Conway Twitty. We follow up Evanescence with Conway Twitty. And we went with Hello, Darling. And I tell you, when I was a kid, you couldn't get away from Conway Twitty because everybody dressed and looked like Conway Twitty. Number four, Levon Helm, the great Levon Helm, God rest his soul, was the drummer in the band. And from the last waltz, man, if you haven't seen that, you should. It's, it's an incredible performance. But uh, we're going with the weight. We're going with the weight today. Number four. Number three. Stepping out a little bit. We're going R&B here with Al Green. Did you know Al was from Arkansas? And I tell you what, what a soulful and smooth vocalist. My goodness, man, Al Green is next level. Let's stay together, shall we? Shall we? Loving you forever. All right, number two. This was my favorite song, probably the first favorite song that I remember in my life. I remember it. I've been riding around and singing this song, and I got to see him at the Dixie National Rodeo, and it was the biggest thrill of my life at the time. It's Glenn Campbell's Rhinestone Cowboy. That was the first favorite song that I remember in my entire life, like a rhinestone cowboy. And, and you know what? That was a thing around here. You know, when we went to Dixie National Rodeo, it was such a big deal to go. I got to see Dolly Parton there and Kenny Rogers and the Oak Ridge Boys and Stallard Brothers, all those great country greats. Not really my thing. But we got to go enjoy it. My family loved it. But when I saw Glenn Campbell perform, I loved it too and sang that song to the top of my lungs. Number one, though, the undisputed king. It's Johnny Cash, and we're going with Ring of Fire. I know that's, that's probably a cop-out, but uh, Johnny Cash is from Arkansas too. So what a great heritage and legacy of country music that's been birthed in the state of Arkansas. And, of course, you mentioned Al Green and Evanescence and some others. You've got some other great musicians there, but Arkansas, by and large, is a country state. I think we would all agree with that. Their most successful musicians are country musicians. There is a doom metal band out of there, too, called Paul Bear that has had some success, too, but uh, didn't really fit the list. And then there was uh, Jonah 33. That's another band, Christ- contemporary Christian group. They're now the Fox now. They were a band that was based out of Arkansas. So, again, I'm enjoying doing these things, too. And, of course, we're celebrating the music of these states of our opponents. And so I uh, hope that you guys enjoy them. And, and again, the kind of the return of country on the show. You have ideas for the top ten list, reach out to Roy and let him know at Dogmatic67 on Twitter. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. Or uh, you can uh, hit me up and I'll try to remember. I stay pretty busy, so I try to shoot all that stuff to, uh, to Roy so he can keep a list. Uh, but also you can find our great list on Spotify, also with the same, the same call sign, Dogmatic67. A lot of people have reached out and said, hey, Steve, I really dig these lists. 
What if you put them together? Well, we already have for you. Matter of fact, we uh, Roy put together. Uh, well, I gave him the names, and we we did the uh, the Rock Vegas playlist, like what we played on the house PA when the bands weren't playing. We released that yesterday. A uh, lot lot of lot of bands you'll know. A lot, a lot of Kiss and some Motley and uh, some other things like that. And uh, be sure and check that out. So. Uh, and again, thanks, Roy, for everything he does for me. Roy's a great friend, and I appreciate his contributions uh, to our show. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. You know them well. They're your friends. They produce and provide the greatest Mississippi State merchandise selection in the known universe. The Bully Shop has been completely renovated. Next time you're in town, go by and see their wide selection of maroon and white merch. Mom, I don't know if you know this. We're just under... Uh, three months away from Christmas. It's already October. Time to start thinking about that. I expect you to get, all of you to give me a gift too. You're, you're not even paying for the show. Right? At least you can do is uh, buy me some Mississippi State merch. Come on. Uh, but that said, you've got people on your, on your Christmas list that you know are Mississippi State fans. Nothing makes people happier than getting new Bulldog merchandise. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That code gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And any time that we can save some money, especially during the holiday season, that's a good thing. My gift to you, free shipping on all orders of 50 bucks or more from Campus Bookmart. Net. Be sure and check them out today. All right, let's look inside the numbers of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Interesting, look at attendance numbers. They have not played in front of a crowd of less than 63,000. That said, it's been a very friendly crowd. They had the neutral side game there in Arlington at Jerry World with A&M, probably 50-50. But outside of that, it's been around 70 to 75,000 people in Fayetteville. True road game this weekend. You never know how your young guys are going to respond. Arkansas, averaging 32 points a game, allowing 30.6 per game. Defensively, not a great team. Most of their first downs have come via the rush, 124 as a team, 72 of those on the ground, just seven via a penalty flag. They've allowed 101 first downs, most of those through the air, 56 first downs passing. As a team, Razorbacks have rushed for 1,162 yards. They've allowed 717, and that's because of that big front. Good job against the run, averaging 232 yards for Arkansas, but allowing 143. So not exceptional numbers, but decent numbers. Passing yardage, they pretty balanced team. 1,131 yards passing. The Arkansas Razorback quarterbacks have combined to go 84 of 131, just a one interception on the year. Very efficient and careful with the ball. Some of that's too because they simplified the reads for K.J. Jefferson. They do a lot of boot action. They roll him out. They give him the hollow concept and the option to run. So they don't do a lot of vertical passing. That said, they're really good after the catch. Average yards per pass, 8.7, and about a five-yard differential, 13.5 average per catch, 226 yards a game uh, through the air, allowing just under 290. Opponents have thrown just three picks against them. This secondary, again, really beat up. They even had to move a reserve wide receiver over the corner to provide some depth. 
He played corner in high school, but that didn't make you feel any better about it. And just about every receiver played DB in high school, too. All right, total offense, it's actually been pretty even. 458 yards a game for Arkansas, allowing 433. So this defense has given up some big yards. Now, kick returns, just three for 84 on both sides of the ledger here. Punt returns, nine for 130 for Arkansas. And then opponents, six for 132. Interception returns, of course, three for 48. And the one interception that Arkansas has thrown basically was a catch and fall. Arkansas averaging 28 yards per kickoff return and allowing 28 yards per kickoff return. You look at these numbers, and it's like it's no surprise they're a three-and-two team. Punt return average doing pretty good there, 14.4. However, allowing 22, does that mean Xavier Thomas has a chance to impact the game? Not getting great coverage there. Arkansas has fumbled 12 times. They've allowed it to be recovered by the opponents five times, so they've recovered it seven times. Opponents have fumbled 14 times, but only uh, given it away three times. So Arkansas not forcing a lot of turnovers here. Kickoff yards. This is what we always look at here. 28, 29 kickoffs, average per kick, 64.8. That thing's coming down right at the goal line. So they're not allowing a ton of returns there. Time of possession, even for a running offense, not really dominating. And like a lot of that's too because their defense can't get them off the field. Just over 30 minutes a game for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Third down conversions have been good, though, 33 of 77 for 43%. However, opponents, 31 of 70. Mississippi State's been pretty good on third down. So we ought to be able to sustain some drives against these guys. They've been good on fourth down, too. Arkansas, as a pass rushing group, absolutely outstanding. 21 sacks, which leads the SEC among the national leaders. They've only allowed nine sacks, and that's after playing Alabama. So Arkansas offensive line doing a pretty good job keeping the quarterback upright. They just haven't been able to connect. They've scored 21 touchdowns as a team, allowed 20. Four of six in field goal attempts, and opponents are just five of nine. Red zone scoring, pretty good here too, 18 of 23. Opponents, though, 17 of 20. Arkansas, one of the worst teams in the country in red zone defense. Mississippi State offensively, very good. Red zone touchdowns, 14 of 23 uh, for the Razorbacks, 12 of 20 for their opponents. PAT attempts are 20 for 20, and then 16 of 17 for the opponents. They went for two once and didn't make it. Opponents have gone three times and converted uh, just once. All right, look at some individual numbers here. I love these detailed breakdowns that, that – uh, some of these these sites provide. But uh, when you look at these, like you would expect the numbers against Alabama to not be very good. But what's interesting, the second lowest rushing total of the year for Arkansas came against Missouri State, an FCS opponent. They threw the football pretty well, though, 385 yards against Missouri State. But outside of that, they have not creeped above 225-yard mark the entire season with the exception of the Missouri State game. Look at some individual numbers here, too. This is an important aspect of things. Who should we look for, Steve? Well, I'm about to tell you. I don't know if you can look for K.J. Jefferson. We'll see. We'll see. Red zone numbers real quick, too. Like, look look at these red zone numbers. You know, 17 of 20. And, of course, they're perfect against Missouri State because you ought to be able to out-athlete them. But uh, they're having at least one attempt against other opponents where they they don't cash in there. And defensively, we discussed those issues earlier. Uh, let's see here. I can go to Raheem Sanders with KJ Jefferson likely on the shelf. 
or a diminished ability if he does play, Raheem Sanders becomes the guy. I'll write that article later today. Enemy of the state. Raheem Sanders has been outstanding. 105 carries already on the year. Averaging 121 yards a game. 609 is a net. Four touchdowns along a 47. The guy is legit. He absolutely is. But he is part of a two-pronged attack that I think will be impacted should K.J. Jefferson not play. A.J. Green has served as a good complimentary back. He's got 28 carries for 117 yards. Outside of that, it's pretty slim pickings. It has been the Sanders and Jefferson show, and now you remove Jefferson from the equation, and you can focus more on Sanders. You know, what, what does that kind of mean moving forward? Kate Fortin is expected to be the starter if K.J. can't go. Sam Pittman's been very adamant about that. A lot of people want to see Hornsby play, but he says, hey, Fortin is our backup quarterback, former North Carolina player. Cade Fortin's numbers, uh, one carry for just nine yards. Four for 10 as a passer for just 35 yards, a long of 16 yards. And so you begin to kind of do the math there. You can see he's not been especially efficient. They are going to have to scale back things offensively to simplify things, even though Cade Fortin is a guy that's been around. He hadn't played a ton, but he's got a lot of college experience. Jaden Hasselwood, very impressive receiver for them. In many respects, you know, he, he has kind of taken on that role, not quite as talented as Burks, and you're not expecting to be at this point in his career, but 24 grabs, 251 yards, a couple touchdowns. Matt Landers, pretty efficient guy for them too, 17 grabs, averaging 15.4 yards a catch, which is uh, second on the team, but the most among the regulars, the highest. Trey Knox is a guy that a lot of people expected to be kind of the, bat, the Robin to Traylon Burks, Batman, when they both signed Knox, just 12, 12 catches uh, for him on the season. Nobody really setting the woods on fire, but Hasselwood, obviously, uh, a name to remember. I don't think there's any question uh, about that. He is, without a doubt, the passing target of choice. Cam Little, of course, four of six from field goal attempts. The, the big miss against Texas A&M ultimately decided the football game. It should never boil down to that, but it did. K.J. Jefferson offensively, total offense, averaging 281 yards a game for a team that averages 458. And, again, some of those yards for Sanders are a byproduct of people trying to stop K.J. So a major, major, major story is unfolding in Fayetteville. It's their most productive offensive player. May not play this week. Be big for Mississippi State. All-purpose yards outside of, um, of that to look at to Raheem Sanders. 149 yards a game. We saw last week, one guy can't beat a team like Mississippi State. We saw that. You don't have Anaya Smith, and you have Devin Achain, and that wasn't enough to win. And so you look at this deal with, with Arkansas, and you begin to think, okay, Mississippi State should be in a good position here. And defensively, team is pretty good, especially in that front seven. The, the secondary has not been good. We've talked about that at length. But Bumper Pool, who's been there, he and Austin Williams, I think, graduated high school in the 90s. But Bumper Pool, 46 tackles, leads a team. And he is a guy, too, that really thrives against a run. This is a guy right here. When, when you try to run, he reads the field well. He can fit gaps. Very sure tackler. A lot like Jed Johnson in many respects. Uh, Drew Sanders, second on the team at 43, has seven and a half tackles for loss, which leads a team. That is an impressive number, six and a half sacks. So you've got the lead dog 
on the SEC's leading pass rushing team here. Three quarterback hurries, a couple pass breaks up, forced a couple fumbles. Fumbles, you got to know where 42 is in your pre-snap read. That's job one for State. Neutralizing Drew Sanders, and that's more difficult That's more difficult than it sounds like. Easier said than done, right? All right, Simeon Blair, 34 tackles. He has one TFL on a pass breakup. Jaden Johnson, another guy too, kind of coming on for these guys. 19 tackles, two and a half for a loss. Jordan Dominic, that's a name to remember, number 14. He's got four and a half tackles for loss. All those are sacks. Fumble recovery and a forced fumble too. Miles Slusher, that's a name that you guys are familiar with. It feels like he's been there forever. He's only played in three games. He's missed a couple games due to injury. Not expected to get him back this week. There are a couple other guys that they'll make a decision today based on how they perform today. But Miles Slusher is a dude. And so not having him as part of that is, is huge. And then Jalen Catlin, who is one of my favorite players in the Southeastern Conference, and unfortunately I suspect that his draft status will be hindered because he's had two season-ending injuries in back-to-back years. He's just not a very durable guy. It's bad luck. The guy can really, really play. He's only played in one game. He had eight tackles in that game. To lose a guy with that level of productivity and that experience is huge for this defense. And, of course, they had some guys move on. You know, Joe Fusho and uh, Greg Brooks now down at LSU. And those are guys they were really counting on. So this is a secondary that not only lost some players through the transfer portal, they've lost some players due to injury. And now you're about to play face the most prolific passing offense in the Southeastern Conference. If we can keep Will upright, this ought to be a ball game State can play exceptionally well in. And we'll see how things develop. But, um, you know, the, again, the pressure, a lot of it is coming from up front. And so the, the, the stress of this ball game, in many respects, is going to fall on the Bulldog offensive line. They're going to have to do a good job there. They're going to have to get out there and make some plays. Uh, former Mississippi State commitment Ladarius Bishop, who flipped to Arkansas after the coaching change, has been banged up as well. Only got a couple of uh, games under his belt and just two tackles. Not sure if we see him. You know, we'll see. I, I don't know that we expect it at this point. But, uh, you know, Sam Pittman said, you know, there's, there's some guys that are a little bit closer than others to be available this week, and they won't know until uh, today. Because once they get through today, you've got to kind of solidify the two-deep chart. And there may be some guys that are game-time decisions too, but this is an Arkansas team that's really beat up. And in order for them to win this football game, I think Mississippi State is going to have to help them. Does that mean a non-offensive touchdown? Does that mean, you know, uh, a specialist play? Is it a block punt, block field goal? Is it a pick six? Because it seems like every time we play them, we do a little something to shoot ourselves in the foot. And I go back to that, you know, we went back there and played with Nick. You know, Nick Gibson fumbled that ball in the end zone. You know, the, Arkansas was completely dead in that game, and you gave him some life. 2020, the very first score of the game, it's a pick six to Greg Brooks, former Mississippi State commitment. And again, you look at last year, we struggled early in that ball game. We had to fight from behind. If we can get off to a good start against these guys, I think I think you'll see Mississippi State get some separation and kind of be able to, to bring this thing forward. Let's look a little deeper here, too, if we can. Uh, it's kind of, you know, there's a lot, a lot of things to unpack when you look at all this stuff. K.J. Jefferson, his best game of the year. It, it, easily against South Carolina. Easily. 
I know he had the big numbers for 385, but from a pass efficiency standpoint, he was outstanding against South Carolina, 18 of 21, 85.7%, just 162 yards, and he was sacked twice. Again, they've allowed eight. They've allowed a sack in every game this year with the exception of Missouri State. But nobody's really gotten after him. Alabama a little bit, you know, third and 24, and that's always interesting too. Alabama's not always the most fair measuring stick because they, they make everybody look silly. So if you're trying to make you know, draw any comparisons, I think you're going to struggle a little bit with that. Raheem Sanders, we talked about him earlier. He has rushed for 100 yards or more in every game but one, and that came against Texas A&M, and it wasn't for a lack of trying. He had 17 carries in the game, and that is just 68 yards. But every other game, he runs for over 100, including against Alabama. 22 carries against a Tide. And, again, a lot of this Arkansas offense is going to fall to his shoulders. The state defense, Arkansas, like they did against A&M, they really just kind of focus on shutting A-Chain down. And, listen, A-Chain did a good job. Can, you know, can State do the same job against Sanders? Different brand of offense for sure. Not much question about that. All right, punt returns, the guy's done a good job for them, is uh, Bryce Stevens. Nine returns for 130 yards. Uh, had a, a big game against Missouri State. Of course, that's when he brought that one back for a touchdown to kind of get that, you know, kind of get that fourth quarter comeback rolling. But uh, has been decent outside of that. You know, had the one return against Alabama for 13, but uh, the only negative return that I've seen, of course, was against uh, Texas A&M. A.J. Green's howling the kick returns uh, two of 50. So opponents doing a good job kind of kicking it away from him. But he had one for 34 yards against Missouri State. Uh, kind of got some things going uh, in the drive there. All that's important stuff. I mean, it's like, I don't think this game feels like it should be as tight as last week, and I really thought last week would be a tight ball game. And it really wasn't. And maybe that makes me a little bit nervous, right? You begin to think, okay, well, let's not get overconfident here. I mean, it doesn't matter what you and I think. But I think when you look at Arkansas and the fact they beat us in back-to-back years in games that they that they should now to give them credit they made the plays to win and we didn't. But Mississippi State should have won both of those games. It was really our own lack of execution. wasn't because they made it happen. If we play within ourselves and play the best of our ability, we win both of those games. But we didn't. We didn't. And if we don't play to the best of our ability this weekend, there's a chance we can lose this ball game. But obviously, Mississippi State's chances of winning go up tremendously if KJ doesn't play. So we'll see how things develop and progress with all that stuff. But uh, you know, I'm excited to see you guys turn out, too. We need as many of you to be here that can be here. I know it's an 11 a.m. kick, but this is a big ball game. It's a big ball game for a lot of respects. It's not just the fact it's Arkansas coming to town. They're a good team with or without KJ Jefferson. Obviously, they're a better team with him. But we need you at the ballgame. I know it's easy to sit in a man cave and, uh, you know, you can put some steaks on the grill. I get it. I understand that. But we need you to make a commitment and come to the ballgame. Now, we've already got more tickets out right now than we did for A&M. So maybe it ends up somewhere around 60000 which is pretty impressive for 11 a.m. kick. But uh, we don't need you just to buy tickets. We need you to come to the ballgame. That's an important aspect of this. we got to make this – you know, hostile environment. You know, we talk about taking the next step. And it's not just the team that needs to do that. We as a fan base need to do that too. We, we talked about this being a defining stretch. 
in our season and potentially the Mike Leach era, well, the team is doing their part. And I really thought last week was a disappointment with the crowd. I, I did. And a lot of other people have said that. It's a 3 o'clock kick. It can be a day trip for a lot of people, but they, people didn't, didn't come to the games. And, like, I, I read and hear all this, to, well, there's this, and people got to have it. Listen, if you love Mississippi State and you can be here Saturday, we need you to be here. We need you to be loud and proud and ringing cowbells and raising hell. We got to go out there and do a good job. This is an important game. We can't just say, well, they're, they're going to win anyway. And maybe they will, but we need to make this a hostile environment. We really need you to get out. And there are tickets still available through the Hell State Ticket Office. That's an important thing to always understand. If you buy through the Mississippi State Ticket Office, that removes all the anxiety about, hey, if I cash out this guy this money, am I going to get my tickets? That removes that possibility. Because I see a lot of people out here that get on the Facebook groups and get on Twitter looking for tickets and you don't know who you're dealing with. And I'm not going to sit here and suggest that every experience is negative. It's not. I mean, it's, it's a very small percentage that go bad. I, we hear about them. But you remove every bit of that anxiety by going through the Mississippi State Ticket Office. And you don't have to pay these exorbitant fees. There are some fees associated with online ticket purchasing, no matter where you buy them or who you buy them from. But if you buy them from Mississippi State, anything goes wrong, you're taken care of. Mike Ritchie and his group will take care of you. I've got the ticket map up in front of me right now. There are not a lot of tickets left. I would say the one section that has a lot of tickets left is Section 25 over there in the Arkansas section. That probably means they return some tickets. But there are not a lot available in most other sections, and that's including the upper decks. There are some still available in lower level and upper level on both sides. But... Right around the 50-yard line on both sides is sold out. Now, if you want to sit in Section 20, which will run you about 100 bucks a ticket, there's a handful of singles out there. Looking at it now, there's one area where there's two tickets. I guess whoever buys that next ticket, that whole thing will turn to, to singles. But uh, you can still purchase tickets through the Mississippi State Ticket Office on both sides of the stadium upper and lower level. I would, again, encourage you to do that. Let me share with you, too. There's going to be more people on campus this weekend than there has been all year. You know, we had, we had more tickets out last week than we did for Memphis, but I thought the Memphis crowd was better. Be prepared. And, again, know where you're going to go. Have your parking pass and stuff handled. And I hate to sound all preachy about this. I really do. But it's going to make you and everybody around you have a better time. And, and I see it every ball game weekend. We get a lot of fans that – Maybe this is the only time they can come to a game all year. Maybe it's a friend gifted them some tickets. Maybe they won some tickets. I don't know. And they show up and they don't really know. And there's enough of those people already. We don't need to add and contribute to that problem. And so let's know where we're going. And, uh, you know, we get to tailgate out there. Many of you will tailgate all day on campus and just enjoy uh, being around your friends and family. I think that's always a wonderful thing. I love it when you guys come to town. I, I do. I love it. And there are some people that say, oh, there's always so much traffic. I love it because, number one, you're back and you're supporting Mississippi State. You're supporting our, our local businesses in Starkville. And uh, those guys are my friends, too. Those ladies and, and gentlemen are my friends. And so uh, you guys come up here and you spend some money. You eat in our restaurants. You buy some Mississippi State merch. And you frequent your favorite Starkville locales. It's a wonderful thing. 
looking at weather for Saturday, and I'm surprised we don't have a three-page thread about this on Gene's page, but uh, partly sunny skies. It's going to be a low of 49 that morning, the high of 75. So it'll be a great day to watch football. May even be able to wear a light jacket, maybe a sleeve. We're going to be there in the, in the, in the, the heat of the day, whatever that is. But uh, we have looked forward to having weather in the 70s all year long. So we don't have that as an excuse. I know many of you have children that have Friday night activities and they're cheerleaders, or they're in the band, or they play football and that kind of stuff. I, I get it. It's a difficult commitment to make. But everybody else, we need to be here. We talk all the time about how important these ball games are. And every able-bodied bulldog that can be here Saturday needs to be here. It's a big ball game. You begin to think about the fact that we could be 5-1 and one at the halfway point. And I don't know that a lot of people maybe pick that early in the year. I think everybody kind of assumed Alabama and Georgia were going to be losses. We figured, you know, we'll drop one of those two between A&M and Arkansas. Well, we've won the A&M game. And now the Arkansas game is here, so maybe let's ramp up our efforts a little bit and help the Bulldogs get to 5-1. and one. That's an important part of things, too. And so, again, it's not just about an entertainment thing. It's a commitment to helping Mississippi State be better. I know you all love Mississippi State. You're going to be listening to the show. So if you're on the fence about going, let me encourage you to get off the fence and come on to the game. That's the thing, too. You can be here. You can enjoy the ball game. You can get home. I know it's tough when these 11 a.m. kicks. I hate these 11 a.m. kicks, and I think it's disrespectful to the two teams to have to play this game at 11. But with K.J. Jefferson potentially out, there's probably some folks at ESPN saying, you know, we dodged a bullet there. And if you haven't seen the play, it was Jaheim Otis from Columbia High School, true freshman over Alabama, that uh, sacked K.J. Jefferson as he was scrambling. And unfortunately, when he rode him to the ground, K.J. hit head first. And uh, – attempted to go to the other sideline. So clearly he was not in good condition. We hope he makes a full recovery and uh, feel confident that he will. Just may not be this week. And uh, that's the thing. You know, we saw that thing with Jack Abraham last year. And it's just, you know, it's horrific. I think you see a young man that's, uh, you, know, you only get a short time in life to play ball and he has an opportunity to go do something. And then, uh, you know, it's an issue that lingered with him. And I don't know that I've seen one kind of like, quite like that. And uh, fortunately for Jack, he's able to, to, to recover. He did transfer, but, um, you know, is now back on the football field and doing what he loves to do, and we wish him the absolute best. But we hope that's not a situation for KJ. We hope he bounces right back. I just, you know, I want Mississippi State to win the football game, and I read these people that say, oh, I don't want any excuses. I don't care about the excuses. I just want the W. I don't care if they have to play with 10, making a difference to me. I just want to win the football game and get to 5-1. and one. And all of a sudden, we start feeling really good about our season and get ready to go play in Lexington next week. As a matter of fact, I booked my hotel last night. I'm ready to go. But I'm excited about this ball game because we got to right the ship a little bit here in this, this uh, series with us in Arkansas. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by our friends at Portico. Brooks Bryan, a great friend of Mississippi State, a great friend of Starkville, a great friend of me, a great friend to you. Brooks is part of a great group of residential developers bringing Portico to Starkville. Phase one's completely sold out. Your new neighbors already enjoying life in Starkville. You should be with us, living like we do, feeling like we do. Kind of tucked away in a great neighborhood just 1.1 miles away from Mississippi State. 
Very easy access to 12 and 82. Very easy to get to. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. You'd be glad you did. And maybe like, maybe it's your second home. Maybe it's a ball game weekend retreat for you. Maybe it's your future retirement home. Maybe it's your primary residence. That's what it, that's what it would be for me. I've told you guys before, it's my, if I was moving to Starkville now, I'd move to Portico. I'd love to be that close to campus. And again, it's the quiet side of campus rather than the busy side of campus. Again, I encourage you to come check it out. Maybe you're not ready for the guided tour. Maybe you're just like, hey, we're just thinking about it. You know what? No pressure. You ride by there. You take that turn off 82 on a 12 like going to campus. So it's on your way. It's not really out of the way at all. You take that ride on Pat Station Road, go through the four-way stop. There it is. You can go by there, drive around the neighborhood, look, and get right on back to your tailgate. Give Brooks a call today to get more information, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. That's Brooks Bryan's number. I can guarantee you he's got some great baseball stories. We'll share with you, too. And uh, Brooks looks like he could still play. And uh, I told him, when we, when we ever do the alumni game again, I'm going to coach third, and I'm going to have him lay one down and beat it out because I think he can do it. Make Portico your next move we talked before too about what a big week it is in the sec uh, a lot of head-to-head competition this weekend you know nobody's stepping outside of the league this weekend and uh this is one of the, like everybody looks forward to this because these games really matter it's not just about the ball pecking order but it's about the sec standings and uh i think it's important to kind of understand how big a weekend this could be for mississippi state we, we talk about taking a step forward and all the things kind of associated with that. Let's look at our standings right now. You know, Georgia, of course, undefeated in the East, 5-0, 2-0. And uh, Tennessee, the team that I picked to be second in the East, many people pick Kentucky. I think I'm going to win that one. Uh, Tennessee, of course, undefeated at 4-0, fresh off a of bye week. They'll play LSU this weekend. Uh, that's really big. Kentucky, of course, Four and one after last week's win, a uh, loss at, at Oxford. And again, I, I spoke about this on Monday. It's like a lot of people say, well, you know, Kentucky gave the game away. That is true. That said, Ole Miss still had to make the plays to win. And as much as I don't like them, you got to give credit to those young men out there playing as hard as they did and making plays. Florida now 0 and 2 in the league and 3 and 2 overall. I said after week one that Florida was ahead of schedule, I was wrong. Florida defensively, really not good. The second worst defense in the East when it comes to scoring. They've allowed 135 points. I guess that's third. South Carolina's 136. But Vandy's given up 169. But 135 in five games, eh. For Florida, with the athletes available to them, that make a lot of sense. Missouri 0-2 in the league and 2-3 and overall. Plus 10 in the scoring column, but, um, you know, they've lost two in a row. And I just think this Missouri team, I I don't know if the Eli Drinkwitz thing is going to work. You know, he was at App State really just for a year as a head coach. He gets a job at Missouri. And defensively, they have not been very good, even though they played exceptionally well against Georgia. I know there's probably some people like, hey, you know, we're we're on the right track, but you got to win some ball games. South Carolina 0-2 and 3-2. and I told you guys at the beginning of the year, I thought South Carolina was going to struggle to get the bowl eligibility. I still believe that. You begin to kind of run through the schedule here and you wonder, you know, are there three more wins on the schedule? I just don't know if I see it. 
And again, I think that, and I love Shane to death. I think they were, you know, they were ahead of schedule last year. But when you look at kind of what's left for these guys, they're at Kentucky this week. That's tough. Then A&M goes to South Carolina. Could that be a game? I think that A&M defense will show up. Then you've got Missouri there. Then you've got Vanderbilt. Then you're at Florida, host Tennessee, at Clemson. They're going to lose those last three. So they got to find a way to win three of these middle five. And I just don't see it. I think they beat Vanderbilt. I think they probably should beat Missouri. you got to find a win somewhere between Kentucky, A&M, and Florida. And two of those games are on the road. It's going to be nip and tuck. They could do it. I think it's going to be tough. I, I really, really do. I think it's going to be tough for them to make it. I know that's not something that they want to hear, but the schedule pretty much has gone to script, and they're going to be playing some teams that are just better football teams down the stretch. Vanderbilt, of course, gets off to a 3-0 and start. If memory serves me correct, maybe that's not right. They did lose to, uh, They did lose a game in there. They lost to Wake Forest. They got to a two and zero start. They lose to Wake. You start looking at this here. They're you know they're three and two. Are there three wins out there left for them? Well, you never know. You got to throw out the record books when Ole Miss and Vanderbilt get together. But let's be honest, Ole Miss is going to run over Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt might make it interesting for a half. Ole Miss will out athlete them in the second half. I mean we have fun with that, but Ole Miss is a much better team than Vanderbilt at least this year. Uh, then Vanderbilt goes to Georgia. Then Vanderbilt's at Missouri. That's the problem with, like, when you look at Vanderbilt's schedule is there's not a lot of toss-ups and the ones that are, are on the road. So, Vandy, you know, they're going to lose to Ole Miss. They'll lose to Georgia. They'll probably lose to Missouri. They host South Carolina, a team they feel like they should have beat last year. I think South Carolina's better offensively this year. Then they go to Kentucky. They host Florida and host Tennessee. There's not a win on the schedule left. Any game that they win down the stretch would be an upset. After starting the year 3-1, and one, they're not going to be able to make it. And Clark Lee, of course, is one of their own, so they'll hang in there with them. But the reality of it is there's just not a lot of low-hanging fruit if you're Vanderbilt. All right, looking at the West, Alabama, of course, undefeated 5-0. and oh, But it is, does it feel like Alabama's undefeated? I mean, honestly, I mean, like when all the stuff that's happened, Alabama seems a lot more human this year. And, of course, Bryce Young got dinged up last week. Did, didn't slow them down. They had a little bit of a lull when they had to change quarterbacks, but they ended up winning big on the road against a ranked Arkansas team. LSU currently is uh, you know, 2-0 and 4-1 uh, and overall. But a pretty precarious 4-1, and if you ask me. I mean, we, we talk about this at length when we play these teams. But when you look at, you know, LSU, every game has been competitive with the exception of the non-conference games uh, since the Florida State game. You know, but they're a play away from being 5-0 and and 2-0 and in the league. But it doesn't feel like it. I think all would agree. Because if we're being honest here, they should have lost to Mississippi State. They should have lost to Auburn. Let's just call it what it is. Auburn, a 17-0 lead at home, and they can't close a deal. But they have not looked impressive against anybody with comparable talent. You lose by one to Florida State. You leak by Mississippi State late. You come back from behind. And so now you get to meet at a schedule with LSU, 
And you got Tennessee going down there, which will be an incredible atmosphere. LSU at Florida. Then Ole Miss at LSU. Alabama at LSU. LSU at Arkansas. They got UAB is the only non-conference game left. But you look at this, and really all these games, either LSU is probably a toss-up at best or expected to lose. I think LSU is going to drop some ball games. I, I do. I know it's easy to look at that and you say, well, you know, it's LSU. I, I, but they're not LSU. Now, defensively, they're pretty salty, That's to, to be fair. But 4-1 four and one, four and one on a year, and they've won four in a row. Let's talk about the Ole Miss Rebels. They haven't played anybody, but they've done what good teams should do against those schedules. And you can say, but Steve, you know, Kentucky, yeah, Kentucky's a decent opponent. But Kentucky a little bit overrated. In my estimation, the better team won the ball game. I, we thought Kentucky might be the only team in the first half of the schedule to give Ole Miss any trouble. They did, and then the Rebels overcame it. 1-0 in the league, 5-0 and overall. And, and listen, business is about to pick up once you get through Vanderbilt. There's no question about that, and it should. And that's It's kind of like the we believe year for us back in 12. You know, we played that really, you know, really easy non-conference schedule. It's kind of like these guys, Troy, Central Arkansas, Tulsa, Georgia Tech. I mean, when you've already played a team and they fired their coach, they're not any good. But they'll win big this weekend. And then they host Auburn. And all of a sudden you start thinking, you know what? You know, Ole Miss could be 7-0 and knocking on the door, you know, top three, depending on how things shake out. Then they go to LSU. That's always tough. That's always tough. And I think, too, with LSU's ability to slow the running game down, that's going to be a very entertaining ball game. Then Ole Miss goes on the road to A&M. If you had to call that today, I think you'd pick the Rebs. Then Alabama goes to Ole Miss. That's Alabama. Then Ole Miss goes to Arkansas. And you just don't know what kind of shape Arkansas is going to be in. But there's a good chance they'll face K.J. Jefferson. Remember how crazy that game was last year? Went down to that two-point conversion at the end. And then, of course, uh, you know, State goes in to win the Egg Bowl. But uh, – yeah, business is about to pick up for Ole Miss. And a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there that are like they're not sold on Ole Miss yet, and I get it. But Ole Miss is a good team. Auburn, of course, one and one in the league and three and two overall. And again, even that three and two is pretty precarious. We know how poorly they played in a non-conference. It's incredible to think that San Jose State could have won this game. Of course, Penn State pounded them. Missouri should have won the game. They fumbled the game-winning touchdown. So you look at this, and they're, they're three and two. They they could easily be one and four right now. Then they travel to Georgia this week. Then they go to Ole Miss, obviously. And, again, right now, would you pick Auburn to win either of those games? I wouldn't. Arkansas goes to Auburn. And, again, what kind of shapes Arkansas going to be in? Auburn is a team that wants to run the football. They're not especially good through the air. Should be a team that Arkansas you know, should, should be able to beat. But it's tough to win on the road in the SEC. And then, of course, Auburn comes here. That's a loss. A&M goes to Auburn, Western Kentucky. I mean, I, I could conceivably see a situation here where Auburn didn't win a game the rest of the year. Is that out of the realm of possibility? You say, Steve, well, they play Western Kentucky. Have you seen Western Kentucky? Have you seen what those guys are doing? They're 3-2 and two right now. And look at what they're doing through the air. You would say Auburn should win that game, but at the same time, too, what kind of condition mentally would Auburn be in if they if they run through this net stretch of five games and lose these games? You think they're going to be up getting ready to play Western Kentucky the week before the Iron Bowl? I don't. I wouldn't rule anything out. Of course, Texas A&M, 
one and one and three and two. And of course, we had a chance to see those guys up close and personal. And it's just it's amazing how that team has changed without having the services of of Anaya Smith. They are one-dimensional, really, in every aspect. And I think maybe you just embrace that and go with Haynes King as your quarterback to give you another running option. And you try to win the game running the football and playing defense. I mean, Jimbo's supposed to be the quarterback whisperer, and they don't have a quarterback. And I don't know what Max Johnson's condition looks like the rest of the year. I think Max Johnson's a guy that's a pretty decent player. I think everybody would would agree with that. Um, But State got after him last year, last week, and I think Alabama – We'll do the same this week, assuming he plays. But you look at this A&M schedule, and again, three and two, one and one, really good chance they're behind Mississippi State in the bowl pecking order when it's all said and done, not just because of the head-to-head win, but I think there's a good chance they drop a couple of games behind State in the standings. They should win this week at South Carolina. And then we'll see what happens with Ole Miss. You know, again, that could be an ugly game. Probably a game that might take – Two hours to play. And then Florida's at A&M. A&M goes to Auburn. And then UMass. And then LSU. But who – outside of that UMass game, who would you – I mean, straight up pick and expect to be favored against A&M with this one-dimensional offense? And, again, Jimbo is a guy, obviously, that is uh, – he's got a lot going for him, you know, financially. But can he turn this thing around? I think that's uh, that's the real question. And that's what happens, too. And, and you saw it with Houston Knight at Ole Miss, and you've seen it everywhere else around the country, other, other places, too. It's like when people get so enamored with recruiting rankings, then in their minds, it's like we have the talent. If we're not winning, it's got to be coaching. And there are a lot of people that are all in on recruiting rankings and, and quote, winning recruiting ranking championships. And that's what they talk about. And it really puts your coach in a bad position. We want the best players, too. And it, but that doesn't always mean the best players are ranked the highest. It's not what I'm suggesting. But my point is, is that when you look at this A&M thing, and you're like, you've spent all this money on NIL, and you have the number one recruiting class, and all of a sudden you don't win with it, you're just a regular old eight and four Kevin someone, and people begin to think we're not getting the return on our investment, so we've got to make a change here. Because it can't be the talent. It's got to be coaching. That's what happens. It happens all over the country. People get enamored with those rankings, and they think they know what they're talking about, and they think we know what we're talking about, and the people that are evaluating and ranking players know what they're talking about. You can't measure heart. You can't measure work ethic and things like that. You can look at film and say, you know what, physically this guy could be outstanding, but how are they going to handle acclimating to college life? There's a bunch of kids that can't handle it. But that's what happens. You have this narrative. We have talent. We're not winning. It's got to be you. I think Jimbo, uh, they can't afford to fire him right now, but it's something that's very, very interesting to say the least. All right, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. You can get all my sports books there. Good dogpile, flim flam, stark villains, and alpha dogs. We had a great uh, get together down in Gulfport Monday night. So we sold a bunch of flim flam, which is uh, always great. But uh, I appreciate everybody's uh, turn- turnout and supporting the event there. And uh, let me think, where am I next? I start thinking about these things. Sunday, I'll be at Book Martin Cafe Sunday afternoon. If you're still in town, that's kind of where I go on Sundays after a home game because I kind of get away and rest a little bit and visit with you guys and talk a little football. But uh, noon to 3 on Sunday, I'll be at Book Martin Cafe, so downtown. So come by, say hello. Kind of a laid-back atmosphere. I enjoy being in there. It's a, it's a great place and a great place to do your holiday shopping. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can find it just about everywhere. 
Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMegan.com. Also available as an e-reader. The only book of mine that is available as an e-reader is uh, Blooms of Oleander. Stark Villains gear always available at StarkVillains.com. Uh, be sure and go check that out. Get you a Stark Villain hoodie. Look awfully nice when you're at uh, Davis Wade Stadium at these cooler ball games. And again, last last plea from me: if you can make it to the game on Saturday, please come. P- please come. You know, John Cohen, those guys—they're not going to get out here and beg you. I'm going to beg you. I want Mississippi State to win. I want us to have an, an incredible atmosphere, and I want us to be five and one. And I want us to begin to think: you know what? We are on the right track. Forget what Arkansas is doing. This is about us and our program. Let's get out here and really commit and support this program and uh, fill those stands, get those cowbells ringing. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.